How's it going, guys? You're listening to the Fretboard Confessional. My name is Cooper Greenberg. And I'm Chris McKee. We're over here at Alamo Music Center in San Antonio, Texas. Just having fun, talking guitars, playing a lot of cool guitars today in particular. So let's talk about guitars as we typically do on the podcast. So I have an idea of what to talk about today. A a thought that occurred to me that I've seen countless people debate online that also reminds me of kind of the automotive world. I don't know if you know this, but I've had a number of Jeeps in my life. Mm -hmm. And there's this thing in the Jeep community that Jeeps aren't bought. They're built. You ever heard this? I think I have. Yeah. Yeah. It goes right along with it's a Jeep thing you want to understand. And, you know, if you can read this, please turn me over that type of thing. Yeah. I'm like silly boys. Jeeps are for girls. <laughs> yeah. Something like, like that. that. Yeah. The funny thing about it, though, is while the sentiment I get and a lot of people, you know, do a lot of wrenching and build their Jeeps up. Um, there's a lot of people that just buy their Jeep. They go buy Rubicon. It has everything they need. You know, they yeah. might do a lift can they go off road with it. Yeah. And I think that kind of same thing applies in the electric guitar world. Not really the acoustic guitar world. There's not a whole lot you can do. You buy acoustic guitar, and for the most part, with very few you know caveats, you can't change much. You can change mm-hmm. tuners or something like that, but that's about it. You yeah. can't like wholesale change the way the guitar sounds. Yeah. But with the electric guitar world, that's not the case. Yeah. You can buy an electric guitar, and there's a lot you can do with it. Sometimes more than in other cases, depending upon the guitar you buy. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm. I, I want to discuss this idea of like, is the is it better to have a you know guitar that you, that's bought or that's built? Because you can either these are basically the the two primary routes. You can buy a high end guitar mm-hmm. that has everything you want, sounds like you wanted to, or you can save your money. You can buy a more affordable option, and then you can try to build it up to what you want. So I'm curious, first of all, have you ever done any modifications on your guitars, cheap or otherwise? Um, very little. Like I've changed knobs and I've, I've changed, uh, you know, I did build a couple guitars. And so I had parts that I had taken off of certain things, put on this guitar and vice versa. Um, you know, I have never done anything as big as pickups or, I mean, I had a roommate in college that, uh, he had like an airline guitar mm-hmm. and went in when we were in Nashville. Like an original or one of the newer ones? Uh, a new one. Okay. Yeah, like, you know, reissue. But he went in and got coil splits and coil tap stuff and out of phase, all these switches put in. Um, and I always thought it was pretty cool. I was kind of jealous. I've known people that have, for instance, like gone after the Johnny Greenwood telly and put mm-hmm. like a lace sensor and stuff like that. And I think it's cool. But I think when it comes down to it, um, you can buy a, say, player telly, and you can change some stuff out, and you can do all this fancy stuff, and you do that knowing that it's going to be your guitar forever and you're never going to make that money back on it, versus on a Jeep, all the customizations, I mean, people will buy that you know maybe i don't know i think the you know the number of angry face jeeps you see on craigslist is probably a testament to that not be i mean if i were to look for a used jeep right now i would want one not modified that's true but i think like the the basic stuff the lift kit changing the the rims changing you know maybe putting a you know a different top on it or something i mean that's the kind of stuff i think people pay extra for getting a little winch on there yeah but um you know with guitars it's tough because I've seen some very cool instruments come in here and then people are like, yeah, I put lace sensors on this 
and it never feels like, oh, this is going to be an easy sell, right. either on reverb or whatever. I think people want it uh, kind of untouched. What do you, th- like, have you done that? That's a good question. Have you changed some stuff around? I have, and, you know, I, somewhat accidentally, I end up ended up making a whole nother guitar. <laughs> so, I have a silver and black 2003 American fat strat mm-hmm. so it's a u.s strat that had the humbucking pickup the s1 switch and um i never the way i ended up with that guitar was kind of weird so i i've told the story about when my 914c was stolen from my house mm-hmm. and i replaced it and then it was recovered and so i ended up with two identical 914c's and i eventually sold the other one because i felt like a douchebag having two really <laughs> high-end identical guitars um but Dave Matthews has three of them, so I should have just kept yeah. it. Or maybe that's testament to why I needed to sell it. I don't know. Take your pick. Um, the other guitar that was stolen when that guitar was stolen was this silver 2003 American Fat Strat. And it wasn't mine. It was on loan to me, kind of an extended loan from my wife's cousin who had bought it, wasn't really playing it, and let me use it. And so I was playing it at church. My the previous guitar that I had was like an Epiphone Les Paul that had intonation issues. Anyways, it got stolen. So I felt bad. I'm like, okay, I'm going to replace your guitar for you. So I took him over to Alamo Music. I said, hey, Maurice, hook us up. I have to replace his guitar. It got stolen. And he got an upgrade. I bought for him a Tobacco Sunburst American Deluxe Stratocaster. It's pretty nice. And then, like my tailor, the Silver Strat was recovered. And so I'm like, hey, I got your guitar back, bud, here. And then you can just give me that deluxe. And he's like, no, nah, I'm good. And so I was like, oh, oh are you sure? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'd like to give you this guitar back and I'll, I'll take the deluxe. He's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm okay. So I kept the Silver Strat and I played the heck out of that guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I never really... I never really liked the color aesthetic on it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was like, oh, I'll change out the pick guard. And so I changed out the pick guard and I changed out the pickups. And I was like, ah, I'm still not feeling it. And then as happens sometimes, so it used to happen, doesn't happen anymore, evidently, we got this uh, this thing from Fender of like, here's a bunch of blowout stuff. Mm-hmm. And they had American Strat bodies that were in discontinued colors. So I bought this mystic candy apple red. So it's candy apple red, but with more flake, nice American body. Um, and so I, I, so I now have a different pick guard and different pickups in the original neck. And I put these on the red body. So now I have the silver strap body and the old pick guard and pickups. And then as luck would have it working here, I happen to come into possession of an Eric Johnson neck. And so I took the old neck off and I put that on the red strap body. And then I was like, oh, well, look, I now have an entirely separate guitar. And so I reassembled the silver strat. So now I have that silver strat as it was. And I have this red strat that has kind of come into being. And my wife jokes that that's a a very complicated way of sneaking another guitar in the house. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and I, and I continued to experiment with it. I, I tried Fender had this like these pickups that were called they were like kind of like the the GNLZ pickups. Mm-hmm. They were split bobbin. So you had three of the magnets wound one way, the other three wound the other way so that it'd be hum canceling without a dummy coil. And I was like, "Hey, that sounds like a cool idea." They sucked. 
they they lasted like literally two weeks, and then they, they would something would go bad on them, which is I guess why Fender discontinued them, right? Uh, so it, right now it has some Seymour Duncans in it, which are cool. I don't like these particular pickups, and mm-hmm. so I'm going to switch it out, you know, with something else. But that's that's been my yeah. journey with this guitar. Well, that's cool. I mean, that's got story behind it. I think a lot of people are like, "Man, I'm going to buy this Epiphone Les Paul, but throw some, some like crazy like Burst Buck or two and three right. in it or something." And it's like, yeah, okay. I mean, it's like. I think that's where it gets into you're building a guitar for you and for what you want. I It does surprise me when people buy a really, really nice Strat or something, you know, really nice anything and then throw these wild pickups in there or yeah. switch it. You know, it's weird when I see really nice Les Paul that somebody threw EMGs into or something like that, you know, because that's for you, but it's not for everybody else, but I guess that's the name of the game. Um but yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's interesting. I have played a lot of guitars that people I know have modified that I really like, but I don't know if I would buy them like that, you know. But you said you've done some of this. You've built some guitars or you switched out pickups? Yeah, I when I was in woodshop, my dad and I took it upon ourselves to make a guitar from scratch. So it was really fun project obviously we didn't like carve a neck or anything i bought a warm moth neck mm-hmm. um but we got pickups we soldered everything i mean it was a really cool project i put texas specials in it because that's who i was at the time uh and i really liked it i got like a strat neck but with an ebony fretboard um black pick guard black pickup covers and you know i i thought it was very cool the weird thing is I put like this crazy tremolo system in there that I would have never picked had I known what kind of style I would be playing. But it was, like, was a, it? like a super V, like hardcore dive bomb <laughs> thing. And I'm like, Texas Specials plus that's not a good mix. There you go. But I put um, like some Spurzel locking tuners and stuff. You know, it, it was cool. I, I still have it. It's a very cool guitar. Um, and then we... We cut the body, we sanded it, we contoured the strap body, and then, uh, like, routed out for the neck and the pickups and everything. Our routes were so off for the neck that we had to eventually get it set up by a professional, uh, which made it playable and made it actually a very cool guitar. But Do you uh, still have this guitar? I do. Yeah, yeah. You need to bring it in and do a video with it. I would love to. Um, the funny and interesting thing about it is uh we used maple for the body and it was very the whole body yeah solid maple strap (laughs) how heavy is this guitar it's so heavy dude oh my gosh (laughs) but uh my sister and i again testament to who we were at the time uh took sharpies to the whole thing and drew like a mural on it and then within the routes of everything I put like my favorite song lyrics and all this stuff and it's got all these Easter eggs and it's got serial number one written on there because, and you know, it's now, very, that, very, that's loud. hopeful right there. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> zero, zero, one. I mean, I was planning for hundreds of these things, uh, but yeah, I'll bring it in at some point. It's a weird and not that attractive of a guitar, but I like it. Solid maple body, a little too much on that one. You know, it's funny. That brings up an interesting point. A lot of people think that, like, the weight of a Les Paul comes from the thickness of the mahogany body. And Gibson, like, they will do all these weight relief things. Yeah. 
it's parlor tricks, man. It's the top. It's the yeah, maple, it's the maple that cap. is what weighs so much, not the mahogany. Yeah. So, well, that's pretty cool. I, I think that's interesting that, you know, you're building it from the ground up. That's a cool story. I can't wait to see this thing. Um, it inspires me. I We have... Um, I'll just say this. This is going to come to fruition at some point. I have rescued a guitar that was languishing yeah. in this in this building. And uh, it's not a very nice guitar, but we're going to do some cool stuff with it. And when it's all said and done, uh, it'll be entertaining to watch at the least. Yeah. Um, but hopefully it turns into a really cool guitar. The thing I don't get... So I think, I think there's a few different routes you can go, right? If you buy a high-end guitar, to your point that you were just making, I don't understand when someone buys something that's that's a real nice guitar with nice pickups and stuff and then switch out the pickups because and this is why i can't kind of wrap my head around it when i'm buying a guitar it's about how's it look how's it feel how's it play how's it sound Mm -hmm. i wouldn't buy a guitar that i didn't like the sound of and so i don't really understand kind of the mentality Unless it's not bought with the plan to change to change it, it's something that happens over time. Because I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I've plugged into my amp, you know, and paddleboard setup before, and been like, I suddenly hate my tone. Yeah, you know I that know, has know. happened. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's weird. I think certain things that I like when people do, which I kind of want to get into a hypothetical for you in a second. But I like when somebody buys a stock strat or something and then throws a hot rail in there, you know, like does also let's just mention there's insane construction going on outside. So if you hear a tractor backing up, it's not a tractor. Alamo music is expanding. No, it's actually, they're ripping up the entire road in front of our store. So if by any chance you tried to walk in and saw our store ensconced in gating, um, we're still open, but Let's say this. Let's do a hypothetical. You're going in and you're buying a player strat with the intention of you're going to change pickups. You might even do like a different color on the body, Um, you know, maybe wiring. What kind of changes would you make to make that your ideal Stratocaster? It's a good question. So uh, if I didn't like the pickups, I would change them. I don't know what specifically I would change them to offhand. Yeah. You know, um, it's funny. I my favorite strat is a Fender Select strat. Mm-hmm. I bought for the sound. It looks great. It plays great. But I really, really liked the tone and the pickups on that. They're just called Fender Select pickups, which is like the least descriptive Fender yeah. could have possibly been. So if I ever want more like that, all I can tell you is that they're vintage styled, you know, non noiseless, you know, yeah. staggered pole piece pickups. And I'd love to have more. I have no idea what they are, you know, which is frustrating. Yeah. But um, I would probably change out the pickups and I would change out the tuners. I would change out all of the hardware except for the strap buttons, unless I wanted locking strap buttons. That's, mm-hmm. that's a common thing that I do on all my guitars. Yeah. If it doesn't have lock strap locks, I put strap locks for the most part. Um, that's a, a very inexpensive and worthwhile upgrade. Cheap insurance. That's, that's listening. Um, you can get those little rubber deals to the strap Strap blocks yeah which is smart too but if you got like 30 bucks or whatever it is to get a set of strap blocks it'll you'll never regret it yeah it's it's worthwhile so i would do that i would change out the uh the tremolo bridge um and go to something else would you do um like what would you switch it to like a two 
I would probably, um, it doesn't have to be a two point. It could be a, a six screw model. Mm-hmm. Although I think the new players are two points, um, not like the old yeah. EMXU models, but, um, I would switch it out. There are brass, um, blocked, you know, yeah. tremolos that are really, really nice. Yeah. Um, I think they sound good. i think they feel better mm-hmm. um so I, I would do that and i would really do a lot of fret work on it you know i think what separates uh what thorn from the custom shop has said this right that what really separates a lot of stuff from like a custom shop guitar is the attention to the fret work and the setup and uh, yeah. that kind of detail so i probably want to strip the body or anything like that i would i would focus on you know the components but here's the thing that's a that's not an uh, an inexpensive. Yeah. Even if you do the work yourself, I've done the math. You're not coming out ahead. You're spending about the same money. Yeah, to get up to. I mean, even if you're gonna go different pickups, locking tuners, like that's a player plus, mm-hmm. and that would doing it yourself would cost more than a player plus. Yeah, know? I think the the way that they dial in the prices of the guitars when you look at the components themselves it makes it very difficult to try to do it you know differently unless you want something that's just simply unique and not offered so you know fender is offering like roasted maple necks now you know and i think that that would be cool you know if you wanted to switch it out and have something that's a unique offering um that would be a, a thing to do you talked about having like an ebony fretboard you know that would be a cool thing to do you know uh, to do something different can make it worthwhile. But it for the people that sometimes argue on message boards about, well, and we see it on our videos, actually. It says, not even message boards. In the comments of some of our YouTube videos, well, I could buy a Squire. I don't know why this guy always has this accent to <laughs> I me. Know, I know this guy. <laughs> but this guy always says, like, I could buy me a Squire, and I could switch out the pickups and the hardware Get and the, the tuners. some yeah. Poblano pickups, throw it in there. I got a custom shop. And it'll be just as good. And I'm like, well, dude, so. more power to you. So there's a thing that exists with Fender Mod Shop. Mm-hmm. You can kind of do this, customize, get your pickups right, you know, make some little changes. There's Taylor standard model options. Mm-hmm. It's a concise but cool list of things that you can do. We've made videos on both of these things. It's two amazing brands giving you the option to basically make a custom without going to the custom shop. Do you think that just using them as other side of the coin, Martin or Gibson would ever do that? Yes or no? Nope. And do you think it's because... I'm talking about two bolt-on net companies versus two set net companies. I, I think that's part of it. I think that um, I think Gibson would probably want to kind of retain some of the cachet that comes with Custom Shop. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that given there are unique challenges to the way that they build a guitar versus the way Fender builds a guitar, which is reflected in the prices. Um to an extent i think that would uh make it more difficult with basically putting you in custom shop because if you're offering that like if you look at a mod shop strat it's going to be more than a normal pro 2 strat a slightly little bit, a little it's, bit it's not it's crazy though right i mean it is a little bit more but it's not terrible and the reason it's a little bit more is because it's some kind of disruption into the manufacturing mm-hmm. process because of the more modular nature of a Stratocaster, 
it's it's easier to do that and it it's less disruptive but it's still somewhat disruptive yeah um if you're looking at like a les paul it would be very disruptive because it's it's less modular in design yeah. you know the pickups are what they are i mean that being said i think gibson has they could trial something like this and could be very cool here would be an interesting thing okay mad scientist at work right take the airline model yeah and apply it to gibson okay Gibson comes out and says, hey, we have an idea for a guitar. We're going to crowdsource this thing effectively. So it's not going into production unless 400 people order it. And yeah. it's going to be a Les Paul with some combinations of soap bar, humbucker, and single coil yeah. you know, pickups, like the Nighthawk that they, or Blues Hawk that they used to do. Yeah. You know, do something that's cool and innovative, but we're going to let the public vote with their mm-hmm. dollars and see if it's something that they do. That could be cool. It could be cool. You know, I, I was thinking about it because, so I'm looking for a tuxedo right now, right? I'm doing the thing as your son is as well. Um, and when you're looking at a tuxedo now, you go online and there's all these things about you can get something off the rack, mm-hmm. you can get something made to measure, or you could go like a bespoke custom, right? And I feel like it's exactly the same with Fender. Um, Mod Shop is basically made to measure. You're choosing a base model and then you can... You know, choose if you want pocket flaps or what you want the lapels to look like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so imagine if, since they want to go direct to customer, you go on Gibson's website and you choose your standard 60s Les Paul, but then you get little drop-down menus and instead of burst buckers, you want, you know, 490R and 490T or something like that. Right. And then you can choose, you want different tuning machines or whatever, I think it's a little fun thing. It could be a little upcharged, but people would go for that. Some people want something a little different. Yeah, people are customizing their Nikes and stuff. You know, I think yeah. it's something that really appeals to people. You have something that's unique and that's yours. And in what we're talking about, you don't have to have a lot of knowledge. You don't have to know how to solder. Yeah. You can have something unique. Because I do think a lot of the idea of building it versus buying it is that you are going to have something unique that is all yours and you know i remember there's this guy I forget his name he was a guitar instructor uh here in san antonio and he would take strap bodies and he would basically carve them down to make them smaller you know he wouldn't change anything out he would just change the body and then he'd refinish it in like these splatter paint designs um so that they were these smaller lighter guitars that's cool i mean yeah this is what van halen did way back when he's taking yeah. this stuff and he's modifying it to be his yeah and now these guitars are legendary and so i think there's a place for that i just don't i i think it has to be if you're doing that about having something unique having something that serves you if you're ever coming at it from the standpoint that we see in some of our our comments that it's to save money dude you're not in fact here's the challenge you can go to a website for the stratosphere. You've ever been here? Mm-mm. The stratosphere is an interesting thing. They sell bodies and uh, necks and pickups and pick guards and all of this stuff. Um, in fact, you can buy a Gibson Les Paul body with all of the electronics pulled out of it from them for, I don't know, last time it was like 1600 bucks. Okay. <laughs> and it sounds very affordable. It's like, oh, $1,600. You get yourself a full Les Paul. Okay. Now go buy the pots and the wires and the input jack and the pickups and the tuners. Okay. Just do that. 
and then assemble it yourself and you're already pretty much at the cost of a Les Paul. Now buy yourself a case and now you're there. So it's not really priced to where you can buy any of this stuff component-wise yeah. and build it yourself. And I, I shop them occasionally because it's like, oh, maybe I want a loaded pick guard from this particular guitar. Well, they'll have... I think they... I'm just speculating here, but I think what happens is they buy like B-stock stuff mm-hmm. and then Take pull it apart, apart and yeah, sell yeah. it in pieces. Um, in which case, it's t- the sum or the the parts are, are worth more than the sum yeah. <laughs> of them. So, uh, but, you know, it proves the, the case that if you're trying to do it simply from a financial standpoint, you're, you're not going to save money. Yeah. But if you are doing it to have something unique that serves your needs best, more power to you. And if you can, if you can do it with a lower price, I think it's the guy from um, Los Lonely Boys. Mm-hmm. He prefers he like all of his guitars are like twenty one fret Mexican necks on a U.S. body or something like that. Man, I saw them live at Floors one time. Yeah, and the dude had like a multi stand of like six Sunburst Strats. Yeah, it was like they were all just slightly different, but it's like he knows what he likes, so he's doing his thing, and he's great. Um, yeah, what do you think is the most overrated uh, modification that people often make on their guitars? Most overrated? Probably, honestly, God, I'm going to get a hate for this. Probably pickups. Yeah. Because, I mean, unless you're dramatically changing to a different style of pickup, like you're going super high gain. Yeah. You know, there's there's very little nuanced differences between a lot of these pickups. Yeah. And I feel like people you okay, you see it, right? They go onto message boards and they they're thinking about doing this, they're unhappy with their, you know, their sound for whatever reason. Like I'm unhappy with the beeping sound from the, you know, backhoe that's outside. Um and they they start asking people's opinions. Should I put this in? Should yeah. I put that in? Without ever hearing it. And I, I'm just going to tell you that's that's a bad route to go. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, and you know, not to displease the the high gain crowd, but let's go back to Eddie Van Halen. Those first guitars that he was playing were stripped down like strats with a with single coil pickups. Yeah. The gain wasn't coming from the pickups. Yeah. You know, and and I you know single coil like strat pickups are amazing with a high gain amp yeah you know I, I just think it's slept on we should so. um what we should do one of these days is do a blind test pickup shootout and i'll play and then you play but we can be blindfolded and try and rank them by price um because like vmod 2 pickups are great pickups yeah. they sound awesome the uh you know mysteriously pre-current generation noiseless pickups in the player plus great pickups but there's plenty of times we'll plug in a classic vibe and it's just got like these kind of they don't really tell you what they are they just say like these are alnico 5 yeah. you know standard but they sound great the thing is my question for you on a tangent is what pickup setting do you think you can hear the difference easiest between low-end and high-end pickups? Ooh, that's a good question. Neck. You think so? Yeah, and I'm going to tell you why. So the brightness, I think the the big thing that 
for me, usually gives away that it's a lower priced pickup is a lack of clarity and articulation. Yeah. They tend to be muddier. Okay. They don't sound bad necessarily on their own. It's really noticeable for me when you're in a group, like when you're playing with a band yeah. and in that mix, suddenly you start getting drowned out. That's less, uh, apparent when you're on a bridge pickup because it's going to be brighter yeah and so it's going to help so the darker sounding the pickup the more likely you are to suffer from that that lack of articulation um that higher end pickups tend to have yeah um and i say that generally there's i mean there's some high gain pickups that i think can suffer from that too and not because they lack articulation it's just the high gain uh, tends to hit the front of an amp in such a way that you just don't have, you have so much compression immediately that it can make, you know, that situation, particularly with a neck pickup, pretty apparent. Yeah. I was going to say bridge, but I'm definitely convinced I've, now. I swayed you? Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, you know the sound of a cheap bridge pickup, but the thing is, like, it can still work, you know, like you're saying, but a bad neck yeah. pickup is not really going to do a, ba- a bad neck pickup is not going to go a, a, a bad bridge pickup sounds harsh yeah yeah that's the issue is is it's just too bright um and there's no mid there's nothing rounding out that brightness yeah and and with the neck pickup it's basically the opposite it's it's all low end and there's no brightness yeah you know to kind of pull it up out of that the mid section it's in so the king of this all is uh you know a a cheap humbucker when when you hear it. yes yeah that's even like 10 times worse of muddy muddy time thuddy muddy thuddy what's yeah. what do you think it, so we talked about uh excluding strap locks mm-hmm. what's the best upgrade that someone can do in your opinion hmm that's tough because strap. I mean, are we talking like a real high-end upgrade or just something quick and easy just that you anything. can do? Yeah. You know, I. That's interesting. I gotta think. A good cable. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll suck at that. Yeah. No, I mean that's interesting. I think that this isn't necessarily an add-on, but if somebody can do some, like if they have a a really poorly cut nut Mm. or um you know really sharp frets like doing a little file work on those that's a great service to pay for um i also think that if you want to go a little deeper doing like an audio taper pot instead of an all or nothing yeah um normal pot i think those are those are good things in terms of like the longevity and the actual like performing aspect of your instrument that you can really get into the nuances of volume and or being comfortable playing your instrument. Um, you know, I think you just got to throw a kill switch on there. <laughs> you got to do a arcade style kill switch. Play a little rage against machine. Head. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about it a while back, but those uh, Gibson collection videos where they go to famous musicians' homes, like every single thing Dweezil Zappa had was customized to the max either by him or his dad you know yeah. and those are things that like looking at those guitars i n- never once thought like oh man i need that because they're the craziest at times over the top guitars but you know that frank zappa was using every little customization to a specific end um but when you see people that 
bought a uh, Stratocaster and put lace sensors and kill switch in there and everything. Then it's like, all right, what's going on here? Well, you can identify when things are part of a trend yeah, versus when they're serving the musician's needs. Yeah. So, you know, Zappa was like out here trying to establish trends, whether or not he you know, did in certain you know, musical yeah. setups. But yeah, I mean, he was he was doing his own thing. He's the trendsetter. And then you have yeah. other people that are like, oh, yeah, everyone's putting lace sensors in their strats because it's the early 90s, you know. 90s, yeah. And so, you know, the, it's a product of its uh, Gary's a great example. What's the story we always oh, tell that gosh. he took his Les Paul Deluxe and he routed it for full size humbuckers because it was the thing. Ugh. You know, that's what people were doing. Um, So we talked a little bit about pickups and how oftentimes, like I had this conversation with a customer. He wanted to upgrade the pickups in his Strat. Mm -hmm. I think it was a Strat. But uh, he had heard all these good things about, you know, certain Seymour Duncans and Bare Knuckles and, you know, all these even more so boutique pickups. But he didn't have anything to to try them on to right. go to a store and play them it's really impossible to say like i want to put these emgs in there and then try to go find a guitar that has those um if you are gonna go blind and buy pickups from like a third party and put them in there what brand do you trust the most to be like i know these are going to be fantastic probably seymour duncan yeah you know i think their their reputation is well earned um i've bought pickups from them before uh for my own guitars and for other guitars and i've never really been disappointed i think the difficulty with buying pickups from any company is what you've you know basically hit on is if you're not that familiar with the pickup from the start Mm -hmm. if you haven't had it in a guitar you know or really spent some time like listening to sound samples is dangerous if it's on youtube they're going to be compressed you know if you go to a manufacturer's website you can probably hear sound samples you know, that are uncompressed, but, you know, then who's playing it and what are they playing it through? And, you know, there's so many variables. And then, you know, there's there's a there's an aspect, I think, of playing electric guitar with good pickups that it's very dynamic, you know. And so yeah. uh, I remember there was a time I was, you know, still learning. I was even more ham-fisted than I am sometimes now. And I picked up this guitar. It was a very high-end electric guitar, and um, and honestly, the pickup the the guitar was too good for me at the time because it was so sensitive that it picked up every single mistake, every single flub, every single mo- movement I had on the strings, and that's something I want now. But it's it was intimidating at the time, and so I think that's something that people maybe don't understand that there's like this touch sensitivity yeah. feel to the pickup, not just the sound. And so if you're listening to it in a vacuum, basically, then you're not very well informed. And so it's hard to make a decision. And, and I think that that's a difficult thing for pickup manufacturers. Yeah. Um, and so what tends to happen is like, you know, most things, guitarists crowdsource opinions. Yeah. We, we go on the, the message groups and we, we watch YouTube videos and, we see what other people say, and then we try to form an opinion. Um, and hopefully it, it steered them in the right direction. But I know lots of people have switched out pickups, and then went, oh, yeah, man. I didn't really like them. Yeah, and now you keep those old. Yeah, and now you've just soldered these pickups into your guitar. Yeah. So so sorry. That's what you get. I think it's interesting that you know th- this conundrum some manufacturers have, a, have tried to deal with. So Taylor, when they had their solid bodies, had these 
interchangeable pick cards that were mm-hmm. loaded. Yeah. And I had one with like three different pick cards. Truth of the matter was I never was going to like loosen strings and unscrew pick cards yeah. often enough to really make that work. There's a guy who's uh, Kickstarter funded this new guitar thing where the, the it's a whole block of wood with the pickups in it. I don't know if you've seen this on like TikTok. Yes, yes and it I slides have. in and magnets hold it in place and it makes a yeah. connection and so you could swap it out. And that's cool. There's a other Scandinavian company. Um I know who you're talking I don't know the name. Oh, but I can't think of their name off the top of my head. They're very cool guitars. Yeah. And again, kind of a plate comes off and you can switch stuff mm-hmm. off pretty easily. But for the it's for the life of me as a guitar player, I, it kind of feels like when you have the the Les Paul with four push pulls and dip switches in the back, like it's it's more than I need or want yeah. to make music with. Yeah. Like, if I want a humbucker to sound quieter, I turn it down. You just turn it right on down, dude. You know, and it cleans up and, and stuff. Uh, so, I I mean, it's 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 a thing. There's a place for it. I just think some people, like, lean into that a little too much or think it's something that they need. Like, you need a Swiss Army knife. And you know, mm-hmm. I'll tell you this. Swiss Army knives are good. I have a Swiss Army pocket knife. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, I actually carry around a larger knife most of the time because I find it more useful yeah. to do the one thing I need to do, cut things. I don't know. It's just me. You're cutting cutting deep on that one. Uh, yeah, I think it's very much sometimes novelty type thing, mm-hmm. i.e. dip switch robo tuner guitar. <laughs> and sometimes it's it's just too much jack-of-all-trades like pursuit when... And this goes back to this conversation we have all the time of like, who are in these focus groups for the manufacturers? Are they people that are practically making music or are they like the collector at home players? Because at home players probably make more music than a lot of professional musicians. You know, they play probably more passionately at home and use it as more of a therapeutic thing. But it's like, what type of players are you going for here? Like the ones that want the science project guitar where you have to unscrew things to make changes to your tone, or do you just want something simple, easy to use and like the best tool to create? Who's to say? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm in the latter camp. Yeah. Uh, I've also found that, you know, typically with, and this is for me, uh, you know, I have a setup and I, I, I like the way my setup sounds, you know, until my ears decide they don't, it doesn't, but you know, you, you have like the setup in your pedals and you have your setup in your amp. Yeah. And when you change different guitars, for me, I'm changing to a different guitar for the, the feel of that guitar, uh, for certain specifics of what I need for that particular song and for the way that guitar sounds through that, that setup. I don't change the setup to meet the guitar. And I've seen people do that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, when I plug this guitar in, it's too bright. So I change my settings on my amp to match this guitar. I'm like, well, really, you just don't like that guitar. Yeah. That's that's really what it comes down to. And you're trying to make it sound like your other guitar. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. And so, yeah, do you want to change out pickups? Maybe. Maybe you shouldn't have bought that guitar. <laughs> One of the best things I've ever uh, done is, is you know, if a, if a store lets me do it, which Alamo Music always did, is I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this guitar. Here's my credit card. But um, I'm going to go plug it in. And I might be immediately back. Because I'm going to plug it in my stuff. Mm-hmm. Not just your stuff. Yeah. And then I might... And I and I did that before I worked here. Uh, yeah. I, I took stuff back to Maurice and go, hey, that was really cool. But it 
doesn't work. Not for me. The times have changed. Yes. Never. But I've never had somebody ask. Yeah, I've had people bring in their amp and pedal board and be like, I want to, which is always welcome. Welcome. Do it. Um, so I do want to switch gears a little bit. I We shot a video today on some Martin prototypes. And so obviously, if you want to hear about that, check out the video. But I want to get into some discussion beyond the discussion for backstory. We got 24 Martin prototypes. Um, some of them, one of two some signed by Chris Martin, many of them stamped with prototype. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are very unique guitars. Um, and so today in our video, we talked about an OM with figured Koa that has kind of a 45 style inlay top, but you know, differences here and there. D42 with Cambodian Rosewood. We have a Humphrey CTSH nylon string. And uh, we did a DC black, DCE black, which is very cool. I want to hear from you what of these prototypes that you've seen either on the list or in person excite you the most and why? Well, the Koa OM. Yeah. Because it's an OM, first of all, which appeals to me. It's Koa, which it, it's beautiful Koa. Yeah. I mean, it's straight grain, highly flamed, beautiful color. It's what you want mm -hmm. in Koa. Um, it's paired with Addy, an Adirondack top. It, it just, it looks beautiful. I actually prefer the inlays on the fretboard to what you'd see in a 45. I think they're yeah. a lot more creative. It's kind of a play yeah. on that yeah. hexagon inlay. Um, after seeing that, I'm like, Martin, that's what should be on the 45. I mean, it's really, really nice. Yeah. Um, that's just, that's a beautiful guitar. So that one I really enjoyed playing. The Humphrey, I really yeah. liked. Um, I like classical guitars. It's what I started on. That one is extremely unique in its design. Mm -hmm. It played well. It sounded really well. And you know, and the thing that got me, which we talked about in the video we shot today, is that particular guitar was built in 2000. It's been in the factory for 22 years. It's brand new. Yeah. It's a 22-year-old brand new guitar. And this is different from like new old stock at a dealer where it's yeah. been hanging on some wall or something and the plastics are yellowed and stuff's peeling yeah. off. Now, this is a brand new guitar. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I really thought about, I didn't say this in the video, but when we were talking about that fact, um, my Taylor 914C, it was built in 2000. Mm -hmm. It's 22 years old. I've played that thing, right? There's finish issues and mm -hmm. blemishes it has and the neck is pretty much formed to my hand at this point um it's uh, i mean i take care of it. it's in good condition but yeah. that it looks like a 22 year old guitar that's mm -hmm. been played you know and gigged with it, it's just amazing to see that these were base. they're time capsules yeah all of these things were just in their cases um so there's a lot more i, I haven't gotten a chance to play the d45 yet the d42 was awesome i want to get my hand on the d41 yeah they're, um they're all um the vintage models vintage models that so i did a video for a customer today which just to let you know if you're listening um always happy to do besides our youtube videos obviously it'll it's a different kind of vibe but today i did a back-to-back -back video for a customer on a d42 and the d41 both were so amazing, but it was easy to hear the difference in the the woods or whatever it was. They both had a unique sound, so um, that was very cool. I did see, and one of the first things that jumped out at me when we got the prototype list, 
before we just said, screw it, we'll take all of them. And we're trying to decide which handful to take um, vintage series. So we had in the store a while back on a trade-in, a triple O 28 VS 12 fret triple O body. Obviously if you're into Martins, you know that the 12 fret triple O versus the 14 fret triple O radically different body shape and size. It's just a whole different beast. And I love those 12 fret guitars. They have recently reintroduced two modern deluxe, a double O 28, well, double O 12 28 and a single O 12 28. Vintage series was a cool little offshoot that is not around anymore, but we have this single O 28 VS slotted headstock 12 fret. And then the double O 18 V non-slotted 14 fret. After all that, my question to you is why aren't more people into the Martin 12 fret stuff in the modern market? That's a good question. Um, I think Martin suffers from a similar thing that Gibson suffers from. And, and really, I mean, Fender, you know, you, when you have these historic, uh, nameplates, right. You, it's, it happens in, in everything, every single industry, right. You're known for a certain thing. So people identify a Martin with a triple O 28 and an HD 28 and an HD 35 and a D 45. And that's about it. I mean, for, for the most part. Now, you'll have your guys that go, oh, the 15 series or D18. D18. D18's up there as well. Um, but a 0018 is not on anybody, the tip of anybody's tongue. Yeah. You know? And so, I think that's a big part of it. I think, uh, you know, Martin started the 14 fret deal in acoustic guitars, mm-hmm. which is interesting. You ever hear about that? It was for a banjo player. Yeah. Who wanted more neck. and And then... They're like, hey, this is a good idea, and they settled on 14 frets. Of course, now they're making 13 fret versions. Go figure. Um, but yeah, I think that's the deal with Martin, and I think it's unfair because, you know, they can make a splash with the SC13E, you know, but if you if you look at what they sell the most, what we sell the most for them, it's either those models I named or variations of those models that I've named. Yeah. Right? It's a vintage version of it. It's a modern deluxe version of it. When they do a modern deluxe version of a d28 there's a reason yeah it's because that's that's the nameplate yeah right people there's lots of people that want that out of reputation before they've ever played one there's people that might listen to this podcast and go yeah i've always dreamed of having a martin d28 they may not have ever played a martin d28 yeah but by reputation that's what they feel that they want and so I think that's a big part of it. Um, and I also think that 12 frets have only had kind of a recent resurgence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you go back 20 years, no one was really making 12, 12 frets. frets. Those are very rare. Um, and so their popularity, first of all, they're still not as popular yeah. as 14 fret counterparts, period. Um, and the popularity is just kind of now coming into its own as people discover that they sound different. Mm-hmm. Um, and some manufacturers, like I think Taylor does a good job of like leaning into those changes and trying to communicate with people. But even Taylor doesn't sell as many 12 frets as, as 14 frets. They sell more than Martin. Yes, probably. Yeah. But it's it comes down to messaging and awareness. If you can communicate to your your buying audience here's why a 12 frets different it's not just a shorter neck you know then you have a compelling thing yeah 
So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's interesting to me that they have preserved that different body shape with the 12 frets instead of doing more of the Taylor vibe where the bridge is, you know, shifted down. Um, because obviously you look at, say, a 522 12 fret versus a 522 14 fret or insert any grand concert, right. you know, um, you can tell they're different, but it's not as like, it's still a grand concert body on the, uh, these, especially this single 028 VS that we got. It's like people immediately, Oh, you got a parlor guitar there, you know? Well, Martin's always chosen for, from a tradition standpoint to go with a slope shoulder anytime mm-hmm. it's a 12 fret. So Which when they I like did, lot, yeah. I, I like it. I think it's a good aesthetic, but it definitely makes it look different. So if you go with a dreadnought, that's a 12 fret, it's a slope shoulder dreadnought. Mm-hmm. If you go with a triple O, that's a 12 fret, it's a slope shoulder, Yeah, you know? And so it, it could be that there's an aesthetic reason, but I think, I mean, unless we're in the minority, I think most people like that aesthetic from Martin's, especially mm-hmm. since it's such a traditional company. Um, but yeah, I think it's mostly lack of exposure and, and just this general focus on specific models alone yeah. um, that just kind of makes these things get lost in the fray. Now, yeah. what happens, it's, it, it's like the M38, right? Mm-hmm. Not on people's, you know, the tip of their tongue, you know, or their wish list most of the time, but musicians that know, know yeah. that that's an amazing guitar. And so it kind of gets its own, uh, kind of cult status and following, yeah. you know, speaking of which in terms of prototypes, um, we do have an M I'm trying to see if I, I don't have a photo cause I was going to show it to you. Um, we have an M C Adirondack. So it is an M body style, which, is also sometimes referred to as a quadruple body style. It's this big old wide. Yeah. I took a pic photo. Uh, yeah, I've got in it. person. It's very, very cool. So it's a larger body, but same depth as like a triple O. So with the M36, Chris made this video a while back. Nashville's unsung. Did Hero I say M38 secret. a second ago? I, I think did. you meant 38 special. You I remember? Did. Hold on loosely. Um, <laughs> So the M36, very cool secret weapon guitar that's bigger body, same depth, will push a ton of sound, and it's just comfortable and very, very cool. So this one that we have, it's an M body, cutaway, Adirondack spruce top, and it's got a single ring of abalone. It's got Goto 510s. And it's just like, this is somebody's weirdly specked out dream guitar. That, Mahogany back and sides. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's a very cool looking guitar. I mean, just to put my hands on that one. Um, I like what they did with the Gotos and then the ebony headstock, yeah, you know, dude. headplate. So super cool. It, it's a cool looking guitar. Um, I noticed that they also have a black nut on it. It's V class. Yeah, yeah, it's V class <laughs> Martin. <laughs> so yeah, that's a cool guitar. And it, but again, you know, these body shapes are outside of the ordinary. You know, Martin makes a jumbo. Hardly anyone knows that. Yeah. You don't see a lot of varieties of it, and so you know, they end up making what sells. Um. But, you know, I think I think a lot of fans of small body guitars, if they tried some of these 12 fret and, and yeah. smaller double O and O bodies, would really find something that appeals to them. Go for a size five, dude. Fives are cool. Fives are cool. So last thing I want to ask you about, uh, I did a top five albums for guitar, and I don't want you to spoil what your top five albums are here, but I want you to shoot it. What I'm going to ask you in that vein is... What are you listening to right now that's uh, inspiring you musically? If it's new or 
rediscovered old stuff as sort of a preface to your your top five coming through? It's a good question. Um, I have been listening to a bunch of different stuff. I was listening to Hans Zimmer on the way into work this morning. His live drive. Yeah, uh, I was listening to uh, Live in Prague, which if you haven't seen, it used to be on Netflix. I don't know if it still is. Yeah. But it's really awesome. Guthrie Govan is in there. Um, Johnny Mars in there. Uh, it's just, it's a great band. The performance is amazing. And just the songs, uh, it's it, it's awesome. I, I remember watching that and my wife was laughing at me because I had like headphones on. So I didn't disturb the house. And I was sitting there with a giant grin on my face watching it the first yeah. time. So I like listening to that. Um, I have been listening to a guy named Steve Masakowski. Um, and I discovered him uh, thanks to an old recording of uh, Austin City Limits. So he was playing. He's a jazz guitar player. Um, and he was playing on an old, I think it was from the 90s. I'm actually trying to find the information um uh he was playing with alan toussaint uh <laughs> new orleans jazz yeah, pianist yeah. you know and i think it was it was years ago that they did this recording and uh he had this great you know solo and i was just like who is this guy mm-hmm. you know and i actually searched i googled him in in relation to alan trying to figure out who he was for a solid 20 minutes you know, and then I finally found him and downloaded like all of his albums. Yeah. Um, so I've been enjoying listening to him. That's cool. I got to write that one down. Yeah. Um, let me get you his spelling so everybody can Steve enjoy Masakowski? this. Steve Yeah. M A S A K O W S K I. His guitar was super cool too. You know, you always see these jazz guys with the, like these amazing guitars with no name on that. Like, you're like, where did they get this from? And it turns out, oh, some luthier in like Brazil hand carved it from a tree or you know something like that. Um, you know, <laughs> who knows? Um, I'm good. So to be out of left field too, um, I like this guy. The band's name is Pyramid Park. It's just a single dude out of the UK and he's making kind of 80s electronica sounding music That's cool. which is really cool um, a band called Young Oceans and then a guy named Elias Dummer and Elias Dummer he's a he's a Canadian Christian artist who used to be in the band City Harmonic which I really really dug their sound and they um, they broke up and it was funny it was thanks to TikTok I found him <laughs> so I was scrolling on TikTok and I'd seen this guy, like, giving his hot takes about stuff going on in society or whatever. And I was like, he seems smart and articulate, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I had no idea who he was. And I just started following him. And then he did. He played a song um, on his TikTok. It was the first time I'd actually seen him, you know, sing. Yeah. He pulls out this Martin D45 and he's strumming. He starts singing. And I'm like, I recognize that voice. I really recognize that voice. That's not the guy. And I, you know googled it and i was like oh yeah that is the guy from this band that i really really love that's so, cool. so city harmonic had really cool songs and uh, elias is very very talented he does, seems to do a lot of collabs and i like his songwriting so that's that's who i've been that's cool that's my rotation that's lately. some good recommendations so so you gotta prep your top five um i'm taking it serious good yeah, yeah so i've been trying to think like how am i going to approach this and, and I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to have to come at it from 
like his amazing performance, historical significance, and like across genres. It's it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. But I'm looking forward. So to much it. pressure. I saw that how people lambasted you on yours. Like, no, Cooper, you're wrong. So and they're I mean, right. You're wrong. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I should. There was one guy that was like, I cannot believe you didn't even put. And it was some guy, and it's like. All right, you know, but he was like really hard to take this list seriously because he didn't put Steve Masakowski on there. There you go, like, dude. Or how about this? You know, best guitar albums, uh, Christopher Cross. Yeah, dude, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that guy can shred. Absolutely. So we should do something about like the best guitar players that you don't realize are amazing guitar players. Yeah, Christopher Cross would be on that list. Chris McKee would be on that list. Yeah, we're both from San Antonio. Well. Got here eventually anyway. Two Chris's. <laughs> well, cool, man. That's good for me. I'll let the uh, the backhoes do their job, yeah. you know. We'll let them finish. They got an episode that they're recording here in just a little bit. A lot of beeps. Um, you got any final thoughts? No, just, you know, keep playing guitar. Everything we talk about is just our opinions. I mean, they're good opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we know what we're talking about for the most part. But, you know, at the end of the day, I always say it's the guitar that you're playing. People need to make music. And, you know, one of the things that I would encourage people to do when you're listening to the, any of these podcasts is to focus on the music, on making music. Not It's easy to get caught up in gear, buying to the lie that once I buy this new thing, then I'll suddenly be better or whatever. But, you know, none of it matters if you're not playing music through it. So, Words of wisdom. There you go. Other than that, just thanks for listening.